Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations here with Z and Sleuth. Sleuth Pro, man, good to have you in the house. Uh, we are going to have a very interesting discussion. We're already chopping it up. Sleuth is cracking up because he's entertained by Z's take on, on today's topic. And today's topic is indoctrination. So the idea is the following, that for whatever reason, we've gotten to a point in society where certain things we're allowed to say, certain things we're not allowed to say. And it's unclear who makes those rules, who decides what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. But Z, as we've been talking about, we've got these reflexive reactions. So you were saying this week, for example, you were bringing up certain topics or certain points of view with some of the, the younger folks who hang out at Dharma. And the reaction was, oh, my God, you can't say that. You just can't say that. And it's like, why? Why can't you say that? What is wrong about saying that? Is it factually incorrect? No, it's not factually incorrect, but it's politically incorrect and it's offensive. Why is it offensive? If it's, if it's true, if it's a legitimate point of view, why is it offending someone and who's deciding that? And so you start peeling this back. And as you went through the exercise, you were describing that the young woman you were talking to basically said, okay, fine, I get it. I agree with it. But it took a lot to peel back that indoctrination, that social conditioning. We were talking about another example just now about this radio host who just died a few weeks ago, this guy, Kevin Samuels. He had the show where he gave women marital advice. So a lot of women would call in and they talk about how they wanted men who've got great jobs, seven figure incomes, washboard abs, who have multiple PhDs, maybe some patents, maybe some Nobel prizes. And he would say, okay, sounds good. So what do you bring to the table? How old are you and how much do you weigh? And they'd say, well, I'm 5'5", I weigh 250 pounds, my BMI is off the scale, I've got 14 kids, and I don't have a high school degree, I'm working on my GED. And his response was, well, what the hell do you expect? Who's going to want to be with you if they're nothing like you, if they're light years ahead of you in terms of accomplishments, in terms of physical conditioning, in terms of all of the observables on your checklist, you just don't match up. And he got a lot of flack for that. And Z, you describe this in a very interesting way. So the way you put it in your typical Z way is you're a fat pig. You haven't done anything with your life. Why do you expect that you're going to get a superhero who's going to be interested in you? Where is the commonality? So as we're talking about this, Sleuth starts cracking up. <laughs> and this is what I want to get into as well, because Sleuth is laughing about this. And I'm laughing about it, too. It sounds kind of funny. But if we step back, why is it funny? why is this funny when everything we're talking about is true? I mean, maybe people disagree with the specifics. And I don't know, but it's defensible. It's objectively testable. It's human nature. Seems like a pretty basic principle. You get in equal measure to what you give. So if you have nothing on the table to give, you're not going to get that much in exchange. Why have we gotten to a point where having these conversations is so difficult? And it creates problems. I mean, as we've talked about, Having this indoctrination means that we can't say what's on our mind. We get repressed. We choke that down. We feel anxious. We're always censoring ourselves. We don't know what's right, what's not right. We don't know how to interact. We waste a lot of time. We can't just come out and say what we feel. 
And if we step beyond just personal assessments of people and think about policy, we can get policy that goes in all kinds of crazy directions. Because then the question is, what's the check? What is the check on sensible decision making? One check is, is science. Can we test out a proposition and see if it makes sense? But if you throw science out the window, then we're basically talking about the whims of the crowd. And if the wind changes and the crowd goes in a different direction, as long as enough people say that that's the official way that we have to think, and we have to think that way and we can't challenge it, who's to say we don't make stupid decisions or we don't make dangerous decisions or we don't make self-destructive decisions? And we've seen this time and again. I would argue that some of the worst mistakes that we make in terms of foreign policy, in terms of governing a society come when we stop asking questions and we just go along. You know, it's that evil Z. It's an evil that doesn't even know it's evil. I think there's a myth that evil knows of its own existence. But I think a lot of evil is just very banal. It's just going along and following orders and doing your job and doing what everyone else is doing and never asking questions, never stepping back and saying, what is the cost of what, am I, what I'm doing? Does it make sense? Is it taking us in the right direction? And if no one asks those questions, then, of course, there's no limit to insanity. So I think it's very important that we're able to step back from this indoctrination, not to say that we need to reject convention for the sake of rejecting it, but we we should at least understand why we believe what we believe. If we have good reason for believing that, why should we be afraid to talk about it? Why should we have to couch it in different terms as we've been talking about? Why should we have to turn it into something that's humorous instead of just having an open and honest conversation about a particular point of view? So that's today's topic, indoctrination. I'm going to hand it over to the two of you. Fire away. Yeah, Vin, I've been thinking about this a lot, indoctrination, as far as it pertains to the general well-being of the individual and, and from there the family and the society and our world. And why do we continue to suffer our indoctrination, even intelligent people? Um, and, and the more I thought about it, I looked at different examples, and I realized it's really important to do a deep cleanse of your mind and the thinking process that you have been indoctrinated with certain ideas that have made you compliant. And that's one of the biggest dangers to the intellect is being subject to this type of sequestering of the mind, this fencing off of thinking that the first reaction you have is negative and repulsed by anything that looks like free thought, contemplative thought, scientific thinking, right? So I, I was looking at, at, at things in, in, in the popular news and so forth. There was a case of this guy, Ted Cruz. I guess he's a senator or congressman from somewhere. And someone asked him a simple question. Now, Let's take off our political t-shirts and, and everything and not be RD-oriented, neither Democrat nor Republican. And let's just listen to what the reporter asked. He asked, why are these mass shootings of innocent civilians common only in the U.S. and nowhere else in the modern world, are, there's a place where people should have a reasonable fear that their children will be shot going to school. And if you go to the grocery store, there's a chance you'll be shot. 
by some ideologue or crazy person with a gun. So whatever your view is on gun rights, let's all suspend that. That's the only question he asked this person who was in some position of leadership. Why does this only happen in America? Think about that question. Is that a bad question? So yes, you're a, lead, you're a so-called leader of a, a segment of the population. You're a popular statesman for this group. Why does it only happen in the United States? And you happen to get money from the gun lobby. You get a lot of money from the gun lobby. You get a few million dollars a year from the gun lobby. Why have you never spoken up against this or figured out a way to stop it? Well, he storms off stage. He doesn't answer the question. He just says, oh, you're un-American. You don't believe that America is exceptional. And he storms off stage. Now, okay, I get it. He storms off stage. He's caught between a rock and a hard place. But there wasn't a lot of uproar of people in his constituency. There was not really, it seemed like almost what he did was appropriate. You ask me a question that's too deep. We don't do deep anymore. We don't, we, we're only superficial. And he storms off stage and that was okay. Another case is I was talking about this guy, Kevin Samuels, who dies. And people would call him about relationships. And the first way he would start his conversation is, how old are you and how much do you weigh and what's your marital status? So the women would say, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old, you know, I weigh, I'm five foot two and I weigh 200 pounds and I have um, six kids and two of them in prison and the others are uh, whatever, homeless on fentanyl. And I'm wondering why I can't find a man who's committed to me that has a PhD, is an Olympic swimmer, writes love novels, runs a major corporation, drives a Ferrari, and he'll say, you're, you're delusional. Go for somebody like you. And they'll say, I deserve what I deserve. Which, and he said, that's delusional. What does that mean, you deserve what you deserve? I deserve what I want. This is, and people have critiqued him in the media. Uh, famous movie actresses and things have said, the guy died, and they were happy that he died. They were dancing on his grave. Why is that what he said so bad? Why is what Ted Cruz did so good? So this is, we have to be deeply indoctrinated to have a, our initial reaction to scientists, to scientific data or facts is to pull away and to refute it. Opposed to our reaction to falsehood, propaganda, um, uh, feeling-based responses is to go towards that, and that's okay. As everybody was mentioning, I was talking to someone here, we were just having our normal conversations, and I noticed the way people reeled back from things that they would agree with me on, but they were uncomfortable with how it was presented. And then if you start trying to adjust a presentation to a grand audience, you're doing so much adjusting that you can't really talk anymore. That's called uh, self-editing. So you can't even go there anymore. It's one of the biggest challenges, I think, that um, we have in social relationships. 
is you know that the further away somebody is from your intimate center, the less you share with them, right? Your familiar center. But as you get to the familiar center, there should be nothing off limits for friends to talk about. But we're indoctrinated that if we hear something that doesn't fit the failed general narrative or that it causes introspection, as you said earlier, Caitlin, reflection, people hate the mirror. People hate the inner mirror. You've been trained to hate what you see in the mirror, thus you don't look in the mirror, thus you don't reflect. You deflect. So it's easy to point the finger at other people as the cause of a problem or someone else, that blame-based mentality. And that's how we got where we are today. On a very human level, again, you've introduced another stress factor into the human animal, into the, the, the homo sapien. That stress factor perpetuates a lot of the acting out that we see socially, the endless violence, right? And, and so we're, what, what is it about us that we keep feeding this beast? And what I want to do and share, and hopefully we can, we can at least be a part of with those who opt out, is we're always trying to flush our brain, put it in a cleanse, you know, reset, reconfigure our thinking so that we're not diseased. Because, again, most human suffering is self-inflicted self-inflicted. Just like what I said about these women who were calling this talk show, they get upset with this guy. He didn't say anything that was not factual. People are attracted to people who they relate to. I like to work out. I don't know, I've never dated a woman who didn't work out. I used to meet most women I met in the gym or dance classes. I did traditional African dance or martial arts classes. Every sleuth knows you've been around me 30 something years, 30 plus years. There's a certain type. Facts. Tell me about it, right? That's a fact. That's a fact. Did anybody you know that I, that I have my radar on? So we all see on the on, on our horizon line, whatever that is. So if if I met somebody. I wouldn't even meet somebody really outside of a professional interaction, but in a social or intimate, I don't even know people who don't care about their health. Right. You're not going to meet anybody at a bar. No. I, I, Z doesn't go to bars. Right. Right. Bar. You, you understand right. what I'm saying? Right. So why, why would that be a horrible thing? Does that mean I hate people to go? To, I don't know. So I don't even know them in the way that I could hate them. Right. That's not, I'm not an alcoholic. You won't meet anybody at the uh, the buffet. No. Or you can eat three ninety nine. Don't even know where they're at. <laughs> so, <clears throat> when people tell you things like that, why is that? Why has that made people so upset? Because we're conditioned, we're indoctrinated to drink the Kool Aid, to not question it, and even for those of us who aren't like that the gases or the spillage from that Kool-Aid is getting on us. So even the average one of us, our initial response to 
quantifiable facts and truth is to reel back. And then we'll say, I don't like the way it was said. No, tell me what was said. What was the weight? What was the content of it? Don't tell me about how it was embellished. I just told Sleuth we want to put potpourri on everything we do. So we want to cover up the stink with some kind of stinky flower. So everything is palatable or easy or whatever. It, it, it's, and that hurts your mind. It actually hurts your mind. It hurts your mind to lie to yourself. It hurts your mind to deny what's going on. It, it, just to see the world and just say, that's not going on. To develop this kind of uh, cognitive dissonance that they're asking us to, to, to embrace. You see this politician is asked a simple question. Forget whether you like him or not, whether you're Republican or Democrat. If we could just stop that crap and just ask, why do people still are getting uh, shot in mass in America only? That's all he asked. Mm -hmm. I could have answered this question, but this guy who is in in leadership, getting rich off people, was able to storm off stage and held to no accountability. That's just like canceling people. They talk about cancel culture. You canceled the guy. You canceled the, the dialogue. But he's one of the people that can't, complains about cancel culture. So I would say, for those of us who are opting out, we want the gritty questions. I want to be presented with things. I want to know when my feet stink. I want to know so I can take care of that. I want to know when I'm off on something so I can take care of that. And it is rough, you know, going through life. You, you'll encounter this within family, within intimate partners, husbands, wives. You know, I'm going through it now, you know, with my wife. Her dad died. We barely speak because the way I speak is straight up. And sometimes she I don't like what you just said. So I'm going to basically weaponize intimacy. I'm just not going to be intimate with you because I don't like what you said. And maybe if you like what you said, I might be nice to you. We don't know we're doing that, but that's what we do. We weaponize intimacy. We weaponize the thing that people get out of it. It's like trying to control your kids. You weaponize your control over your kids. If you don't do this, Johnny or Betty uh, or Muhammad or whatever your kid's name is, I'm going to withdraw something from you. That's how you raise kids. You weaponize parental authority, right? So we want to evolve past weaponizing human interaction. Let's, let's, let's opt out of that model and then go to a place where we can have really rich dialogue. Study stoicism so we can talk to each other without whataboutism. Well, you said my feasting, what about you? And what I tell people, always take care of yourself first. Dot your I's, cross your T's, make sure you do everything right yourself before you go and critique someone else's shortcomings. Try to be an example of the person you would like to be so that when you do present something to someone, they can look at you and say, oh, I get what you're saying. I just came from the sandwich shop. Matter of fact, Sleuth, you got half a sandwich left over right here. Mike's here. Let me give Sleuth a sandwich. Did you have anything to eat? Sleuth's got a sandwich. There you go. So I went to Ike's. So I'm at Ike's. 
and there was a young guy there, and I was flirting with the girls that work at Ike because when I flirt with the girls, I get a discount, I get a few more bonus points, and being an old fart like myself, I, it, it's nice to know that I still look good and the girls still fawn over me. Um, I, I can't help it. I was just made that way. So there, and then there was a young guy standing there, and he says, oh, man, old head, I can't even talk to women any, like that. I, I mean, I can't even follow you. And the girls were giggling and giving me lollipops and all these kinds of things, and, and gave Sloof a sandwich and all this stuff. And he was saying, what, what's the secret of it? I said, sincerity. Sincerity. I think their energy was nice, and I, I let them know that. I started with a smile. I checked them out. I made them laugh. And it made me feel good. And it developed a better relationship during commerce because I get more sandwich stuffs and extra chips and lollipops whenever I go in. And he was, but, but I said to the young man, he said, you obviously are a horny dog. He made it obvious. And it was kind of offensive because he was kind of looking at him, licking his lips and all that kind of stuff. I said, they're, they're not going to go for that. I'm doing the same thing you're doing, but I'm doing it as a joker. <laughs> we used to call it getting them to laugh their panties off. Remember that, Slew? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they let, you know, that's how you do it. You get them smiling, you get them comfort, get to know them. And he didn't know how to do any of this because he had been indoctrinated with this new thing that the guys have, Caitlin. What is it? They just don't even know how to approach. What, what is it, Caitlin? You know, we were talking about it one time, these guys in your generation that just, why it took you so long. You just started dating Pretty Tony. But before that, you were just, you had given up, right? You had just said. Yeah. What I is, don't know. I don't know what. There's a term for that. It's not even a term for it. That's how bad it is. They're just... They're missing something. Is that right? They've been, they, they've been having so many mixed messages. Yes. Right? Toxic masculinity. I don't know what that is. The patriarch. And all the men are saying this. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, the guys are goofy now. And I think what's happening is they're so used to looking at women on a screen and not having that human interaction that they just stand there and look stupid. That's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, they just Maybe, You know what you know what he's talking about, right, Caitlin? It's like weird, right? Mm -hmm. There's a disconnect. Yeah. yeah, there's no human interaction. And I think because of we've been indoctrinated to be disassociated. So you you're just stumbling into interactions. Like literally tripping over your feet. Because you don't you don't get the feedback. And that's what this indoctrination has done to us. And for those who opt out, just just kick it in the ass. Just be yourself, work on yourself, um, and and grow with that. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I, I get it, Z. It's interesting. I, there are a few points that you raise which I find pretty interesting. One, I'm thinking about the last discussion that we had, and we talked about how if you're out of tune with reality, that leads to disease. And so we've got all these ideas about life, and if those ideas – are not consistent with nature and how things actually work. It just creates a tremendous amount of anxiety and dysfunction. And that's an example of what we're talking about. I mean, there's this indoctrination where we have to think a certain way. We have to accept certain points of view that we talked about the gender issues last week. This whole, <laughs> I'm cracking up as I'm thinking about it and remembering our discussion. We talked about how someone is heterophobic who's a heterosexual, but they call themselves something else. And it was just so confusing. 
if you have to live with that kind of mental contortion and, and, and that stress and convince yourself constantly that what you see is not what actually is and you have to reprogram your natural instincts, it sucks. It just takes a toll on you. It drains you. It confuses you. It, it consumes a lot of energy. You probably start questioning your self-worth, like maybe there's something wrong with me. How come I'm not buying into these narratives? It seems so obvious to everyone else, even though everyone else is equally confused, but no one's talking about it, so no one really knows how anyone else thinks. It's just kind of this weird dance that that we play, or, or this game that we play. And that term that you had, sincerity, I think is spot on. It, because at a very primal level, that's what we value. I mean, maybe that's the worst part of this indoctrination. It's taking us away from our natural state. Our natural state is where we interact with people at a human level. We've got sincerity. We connect with them. There's something shared. You know, either it's a physical attraction, as you're talking about, or we just like their company, or whatever. We want to get to know them, or we're just happy to see someone else alive. Because, hell, it's good to be alive. It's good to see other life. It's good to see people expressing themselves. And we have to choke all of that down. I was thinking about this today, uh, that people are getting into trouble. I mean, you've got these dudes who are a little bit older than the ones that you described, and more than a little bit older, a generation older. So guys in their late 40s, 50s, who are getting into trouble because they're going out with women who are younger than they are. They could be professors or maybe someone at work, and you've got a female employee who's younger, and they comment on the girl's appearance, and suddenly they're canceled because they say, oh, wow, you look pretty or you look nice or that dress looks great. And it's kind of like, why? Why is that the girls get offended? Maybe they're offended because they think they should be offended or maybe they're not even offended. But then someone else starts an investigation and then they feel like, oh, maybe I should have been offended and they jump on the bandwagon. And you think about what it takes to suppress that energy, just the natural energy of complimenting someone else, of being attracted to someone else. Why the hell are we working so hard to destroy our natural instincts, to destroy the more fundamental, primal aspects of ourselves, to contort ourselves into what? That's probably the weirdest thing. Like, we've got this indoctrination, and to me, it's kind of like, to what end? At least if you look, for example, at the Chinese Communist Party, you've got indoctrination, and you can say, okay, I understand it. I understand it. Maybe it's not right. Maybe I don't agree with it. But they're doing it because there's social order, and they want to keep things functioning smoothly. Maybe it's sustainable, maybe not. I, I don't know. You could argue with it. But at least you understand what the purpose is of that conditioning. This is like a whole new ballgame. It's all of these weird standards. We don't know where they came from. We don't know who's supporting them. We don't know why we're allowed to talk about certain things and not allowed to talk about other things. It's kind of like everyone's just standing around in a room looking at everyone else, waiting for someone else to make the first move. So that creates more insecurity, that creates more of a need for validation. It just hollows us out. And that's probably my biggest question on this topic, and I want to get your perspective on it. Why? Why are we doing this? It feels like ego is involved to some extent, you know, this, this need that we have for validation. Then I think something is going on, and I, I won't pretend to be able to answer it. I can only speculate. And if you go too far with speculation, it gets into almost coming up with conspiracy theories. And I don't want to do that. But what I would like to do is kind of reflect upon what you're saying. So people are, are, are becoming more compliant and more confused. Think about that. You're more compliant, yet more confused. You mentioned how the Communist Party in China, let's say they indoctrinate people 
you know, we're number one, uh, communism, great China's great, da 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 over, they have all these different things they do. It's no different than anywhere else. Ted Cruz's response was, oh, America's exceptional. In what way? Literacy? Poverty? Longevity? Infant death mortality? Where are you exceptional? And just asking the question is offensive to people. So you can just say, I'm offended, and that shuts up conversations. Oh, I'm offended. And then you just stop talking. So your, your question was never answered. Nothing was ever cleared up. Another bridge has been burned. So more chaos ensues. So somebody said the other day, we shouldn't send uh, the U.S. Uh, they were speaking in terms of being a, a U.S. patriot or whatever said the U.S. should not send money to foreign country and weapons without accountability. He said, well, people are dying while you're trying to account for money. Yeah. And? Shouldn't you account? Shouldn't you make sure that the check went to the person you sent it to? But some sort of way we've got so compliant and that compliance is brought with a confusion because if you just for a moment, just for a nanosecond, say, hey, if they're sending a hundred billion, shouldn't there be an account? How what was paid out to who? Is there who received that money? Did it go to the right place? You see? But for some reason, our reaction to that is, oh, oh you're against the, the, the Asimov battalion in Ukraine. You're against the Nazis, our Nazis. Or whatever it is, whatever. You see, what would be wrong with the GAO, which is the Government Accounting Office, accounting for those checks written? Or balance the books? What would be wrong with that? What would be wrong with going to the oil companies and say, can we just look at your gauges on the oil wells? Let's just audit the gauges on the oil wells and look at production numbers. That's just good business. That's just good business. So if we look at that, we say, hey, gas is here in L.A., $7 a gallon going up. They're expecting $8 a gallon in the summertime. So is that supply and demand, meaning that people want more fuel than is available? Is that what that means? Well, they just showed that people were driving less and canceling driving plans because of the gas. So there, there's not a big demand. Then before, when there was no demand, they said they had to raise the price because there's no demand because the reserves were costing rent to keep the oil and fuel in reserves. So what if you just, what, what is it about us that we've been so indoctrinated and confused that asking questions is the problem? Not the thing we're questioning, right? So Biden, who, by the way, is still alive. Every time we'll start, we say Biden is still alive. <laughs> he came up with a police accountability idea. Somebody did, because he said he was going to do it. And they said, hey, how about us start a national registry on murderous cops so that they can't get jobs in other places? It's not a reasonable idea. That, that's a start. Think about the people who are against that. And the people who ask questions about it, 
were either called liberal or right-wing fanatics. Just asking, see the problem now is asking questions. That's where we're at. They came up with a solution to the, uh, the, the, the transgender athlete thing. So a couple of sports organizations said, hey, we got a solution. We're going to have a third division for men who, who uh, dress like women. And hopefully, but no women who dress like men want to participate in it, which is, gets confusing. But for, there's a trans division. They call it male, female, and other. How about that? that would, I think that would be great. All of them could fight and race and wrestle against each other. Right? Just like all heavyweights uh, wrestle against other heavyweights. They box against heavyweights. Floyd Mayweather is never going to fight Mike Tyson. Weight division. Okay? The impact of Mike Tyson's hand on Floyd Mayweather's 125-pound body no matter how fast Floyd Mayweather is, uh, it wouldn't be a good fight. So they said, let's start a third division. Who would protest that? Well, there's a lot of people protest because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right to them. We have a solution. And you're saying it doesn't sound, it's just like that guy giving dating advice. If you want a person that has these qualifications why don't you make yourself like that? So like attracts like. How about that? Law of attraction. But people don't like the way it sounds. And I would love for our, our family, our opt-outs, to just chime in on this. Shoot us a note or email when you hear this. And let's try to understand that. The other day I went to the car store to buy some stuff. You go with us to the car store. Uh, Sleuth the other day went to the car store to get the... With the boys, yeah. And they're usually by a Hot Wheel. Whenever we go to the store, there's Hot Wheels under the counter. So we collect Hot Wheel cars. It's one of the things I love to do as a kid. I pass it on to my boys, and they enjoy it. So we go in. There's not a lot of Hot Wheels. This is indoctrination. There was one Hot Wheel there, though. It was a rainbow donut with a guy with a purple hair and makeup on. I didn't know it looked like the Joker. Or whatever, and it was called it was called a happy donut car or something. It had pink wheels too. It had pink wheels. And um said, Well, I don't have this one. I said, Well, you won't have that one either. You won't get that one. I said, It's uh it's not our thing. Okay. <laughs> not knocking anybody, you're not getting that car. <laughs> right? Remember I told him yeah. I said, you you're not getting that car. That's not a good look, son. Okay. <laughs> And I explained to him, we just don't do this kind of thing in our house. Maybe some other people, maybe some of your friends at school, they're, they're into that. We're not into that. So we just want to be clear. If you want to get this later, when I disown you at 21 or whatever, then you can go on and get that car. Okay? And he understood. He said, yeah, it doesn't fit with what we do. It doesn't, it doesn't. But I'm thinking about, wow, Hot Wheels? What does a sexualized character in a toy car have to do with Hot Wheels? Is that called inclusive? I think everybody likes uh, the 69 Mustang. You had the 69 Mustang Hot Wheel, didn't you, the Boss Hoss? Oh, you weren't even born yet. When were you born? 69, 68? 65. Okay, so Hot Wheels came out 
when Sleuth was about three or four years old. I was a teenager there, but I had it the orange track. Yeah, there you go. Sleuth had the orange track. And sometimes girls played with it, sometimes boys and random kids that you beat up in the neighborhood. All kinds played with they like the same thing. Hot Wheels. Now they've created a kind of a sexual how, how do you describe it? What is that, Kayla? How do they sexualize toys I, or, or put political themes? I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? It's, for me, and, and I'm an old head, as that brother said to me, I was an old head, I'm officially old head. It's like, this has nothing to do with Hot Wheels. It's almost subtle. Oh, this was obvious. It wasn't even subtle. You saw the car. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. We don't my, wife's reaction, my wife's reaction, because she's been exposed to more of this and indoctrinate like this indoctrination she's well I, I, is that not okay why is that not okay well kids i want my kids to be free not just of my ways but of anybody's indoctrination i want them neutral so whatever decisions they make as adults when their prefrontal cortex is developed is from their their own interaction with life, not with what I'm promoting, pushing, or something with an agenda behind it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, you see the way I read it. Whatever it is, just think for yourself. Put a clean glass next to a dirty glass, do you want to drink from it? Is it, is it sustainable? Is it not sustainable? Right? Is it agreeable? Is it not agreeable? That's what I want to go with. So. We have to not only, as they say, not be racist, but be anti-racist. We need to not only be not indoctrinated, but be anti-indoctrination. Clean your mind. And here are things that you can look for when you reel back, when you hear something that's not, that's disruptive, that's not normally spoken of a certain way. You've been indoctrinated because you're not given even a moment to hear it out because something has programmed you to not even hear I did this experiment years ago with somebody who listens to one radio station. And I played excerpts from another radio show that was contrary to theirs. And they wouldn't even listen. The minute they heard a few words, something triggered. They didn't even hear the conversation. It triggered. So I can't listen to this garbage. There's certain things you'll say. Um, Jesus was fake. Okay, I won't listen to anything else you say. Um... There are satellites in space. Oh, no, I won't listen to that. The Earth is flat. Okay, I, I agree with you. It looks flat to me. I put a leveler down and it was <laughs> nice and flat. So this is what I mean. We have, you want to check yourself if you have weird responses to extraordinary narrative. Non-conventional, non-conceptual narrative. It's not to make up your mind. It's just to position yourself to have choice thinking. Makes sense to me, doesn't make sense to me. Susan and I saw a thing the other day where there was a guy in the internet and he was promoting himself as Tupac's bodyguard. A number of people called me up and asked me, who the hell is this guy? Who, how is he? You were the head of security for the record company. You took care of everybody. And I said, well, he hung out with Tupac and now that everybody's dead or nobody cares, he can now give himself 
a, a title that might have a role somewhere in some historic thing that nobody really cares about. And and then I was somebody called me and says, are you going to like post something and be mad? No, because, you know, Sleuth and I talked about it. We said, remember, so there was a point where he may be right. I might call the guy's name is Butch. I forget what he, his, his name is on uh, his, his name is on the Internet. But if I ever spoke to him, I would say this. There was a time, a certain month, where Tupac messed up with me. And I told him, I will not be securing you. You're on your own. So it is true, at one point, I withdrew protective services from Tupac. Remember that? Yeah. Because he was a little asshole. Right. <laughs> and uh, just to give everybody clarity on the story, shooting a shout out to all my folks out there that like to hear these stories. Um, you know what I did? The security in the music business, I worked with a lot of different groups. And specifically, I was attached at one time to Digital Underground. It's where the rapper Tupac got started. And um, he would show off in front of people. So part of me being security, and Sleuth and I working together, and, and Sleuth was the road manager, was for me to get around and do what I did, I had to conduct myself a certain way. <clears throat> so I'm a little bitty guy. On a good day, I'm 5'9". I normally weigh about 160 pounds. I can kick much ass. I, yeah, so Sleuth can verify that. I have no fear of any person walking on earth. I never stand somewhere and say, well, that guy is big. I think if my girl Planet Janet is on, she can verify when her big six-foot-something boyfriend came up to me and she was trying to keep me, hold me back from knocking him out. Remember that, Janet? That's a funny story. You can tell people about it. Love you. So I've never, I don't have that kind of fear of people. When I look at somebody, I look at, oh, here's a big guy, or he's scary, or yes, guard. I just say, hey, that's an easy target. That's a bigger target than another target. He probably has diabetes, or he probably, that's how I look at it. I don't look and feel threatened. So I used to hire big bodyguards because they were good to have for the show. Remember, we hire big people, right. and they would, so, but I never looked at them from a tactical advantage, more of a strategic advantage to keep things from going wrong. But also, I had to transport weapons and money and in a discreet way. So I had weapons and money, and we'd go on aircraft, we would fly on planes. I had different ways of getting weapons around the world as we traveled. And Tupac would out me. We would go through security. He's, aha, you stupid bastards. We, we got all kind of guns on that plane, and you didn't even find out. I said, I need you to shut up, Tupac. I need you to be quiet. I am not interested in advertising the fact that I have uh, a lot of weapons, okay, or that I'm carrying a lot of money for the group. Or he would brag to people, man, Z could knock you out with one punch, and you're weak and your mother's ugly. And then somebody wants to come and test me. So I, I didn't want that. So at some point, he was so loud. Then one time he said he got in trouble. He says, look, you're my bodyguard. If I tell you to jump, you'll jump, just like if I had a pet pit bull. You're my pit bull. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not your pit bull. I'm not anybody's pit bull, matter of fact. I'm a goddamn Shogun assassin. I don't do what people tell me to do. I do what I feel like doing out of duty 
responsibility and connectedness to people. From this day forward, Tupac, you're on your own. So maybe then he got Butch to bodyguard him, but I don't know why he would need a bodyguard then because he was our roadie, by the way, I think he did. Right. So uh, I don't mind someone saying that because maybe they had an arrangement after I kind of disassociated myself with that part of, of our relationship. Um, so that's just that story. But going back to indoctrination, it's important for us health-wise to, to not drink that poison cocktail of indoctrination because human beings react to stress a certain way. If you see a bear standing in front of you and it's showing its fangs and opening its mouth and licking its lips ready to crunch down on you, indoctrination tells you, no, that's a chihuahua. You'll be okay. No, it's a damn bear and you need to get the hell out of there. Or you shouldn't be where that bear is at. How about that? So too, when we look at ourselves and we bought into this, we wonder, why are these shootings happening in a school? Well, you have a violent society. Oh, don't say that about America. No, say it about America and then maybe you could fix it. That's what every other country in the world did that had mass shootings. They had a come to Jesus moment. And they said, we need to make some changes in the way we arm mentally ill people, the way we look at threats. Somebody says, I'm going to blow up such and such. They're probably going to do it. I'm going to kill so-and-so. They're probably going to do it. So don't wait till they do it and then respond. This is the, a failing of society. And of course, the divisiveness of society, everything becomes politicized. Just like the cops made a decision to shoot the Mexican guy, who, by the way, was not a transgender illegal alien that was said in the right-wing news. It was just a dude with mentally ill. They decided to kill him. They didn't kill the white dude that, they made a decision not to kill the white dude that killed the people in the grocery store. So the world is very divided. Who dies, who doesn't, is the health in the hands of these people who already have certain agendas, they've been indoctrinated a certain way. And for the average one of us to drink the vomit of falsehood, drinking vomit is bad for you. I'm just gonna let you know from a health point of view as a health professional, I need to let you know drinking vomit is not good for you. Just like eating uh, crap is not good for you. Trying to process and digest falsehoods is not good for you. Obesity is not healthy. Diabetes is not healthy. Mental illness is not healthy. If you have any of these maladies, work on them. They don't get better because you fit the way you feel about it. Learn to listen to criticism, no matter who or how it comes. There may be something to it. One of the greatest lessons I ever learned was from a, a woman I was dating when I was a young man. Uh, she was a, a, a very uh, dynamic dancer in New York, a little bit older than me, and I used to come up, drive up to D.C. to hang out with her on the weekends. And she told me one time, she said, you don't know how to listen. She said, you're really smart, I'll give it that, but you're not a good listener. He says, even people that aren't as smart as you may know things you don't know on a different subject. 
was like, eh, it's crazy. And she said, what I want you to do, she gave me this tool that I use to this day. She said, I want you to check your ego. And for the rest of the weekend, we're good. But I want you to talk to me and not say I, me, or my. It was a girl who taught me that. I could barely say anything because everything I, up to that point, was ego-based. So she was asking me to suffocate my ego. But she was so damn pretty, I figured out how to do it. And I had to say everything with a story. Because you couldn't say I, me, or my, which is suffocating the ego, strangling the ego to death. And I did it, and it worked out. It was weird. And I mean, we parted ways. I think it had something to do with her cat disappearing or something like that. You know the story of Miss Bickles. I won't go into that. <clears throat> but um, while I was at her house, her cat disappeared. Um, <clears throat> so she stopped. <clears throat> she doesn't know I did it. I, I, I didn't do it. I, didn't, I, I shouldn't say I did it. Um, I was there when the cat came up missing. Let's just put it that way. And she never really associated with me. She was suspicious. I never discussed it with her again. And feeling guilty and bad about it, I just kind of distanced myself from the woman. And plus, I was just a real vagabond at that time. I, was, I had a lot of girlfriends in New York. That's another story. I, you know. So the importance of de-indoctrinating yourself. We've talked about it before, Vin. Having that appetite for self-analysis and general criticism of you. If you sit around and you point out things that are wrong with somebody, here's a good practice. Let's say for Caitlin and Pretty Tony, and Sleuth and whatever blow-up doll he's dating right now. <laughs> yeah. Just sit there and listen to what they may share with you that you could improve that they would like to see, even if you don't agree. What could I do to make this relationship more harmonious? That's the hardest thing for people to sit and listen to without saying, but what about you? But you did blah, blah, blah. No, no, just listen. What would you like? What could I do to be a better friend, a better partner? And just listen. Caitlin's already getting uptight, scratching her eyes, burping, <laughs> farting. Caitlin says, you just need to take me the way I am. Gassy, slobbery, musty. I don't care. If you don't like it, get the hell out of here. That's Caitlin's response. Okay, we don't need to know that. See, I, I just see certain things. Now I'm not going to like him anymore. Yeah. I don't see. This is the thing I have with people. And let's say this whole new pronoun sexual thing. I don't want to know. I want to keep my dream of you. I don't want to go under the veil of that. Now that Carl, that, that pretty Tony is, likes stinky girls. I don't know if I can hang out with her. I think I'm going to stop teaching him. You know, because I, that, that's all that's going to be on my mind. And then the answers, other questions I had based on his prior dates. Like, Caitlin is like the hottest girl he's ever brought around, right? Not he brought around, he just fell in the lab. He's just over here, she's here, he's here. That's how they did it. So it was no effort, no effort was put into that. But I understand it's a generational thing. Just no effort. I used to have to actually, you know, go to the gym, do push ups, go home, shower up, go get the barber shop, get your, go get your car. Uh, remember that? You go get your car detailed. Then you go pick up the girl, right? right? You don't have to do that anymore. Nope. You just roll over, and they roll over, and you guys meet in the, the friggin' pigsty. Just, oh, you here? I'm here. It's like being on a, a desert island now. Yeah, yeah. The 
pigsty, by the way, is Z's Tai Chi class. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> she just insulted Lao Tzu and everyone else. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, low-hanging fruit, Caitlin. They're just, just right there. No effort. We used to have to put it out. I used to have to drive halfway across country to get a girl. You know what I mean? Get a letter, write letters. What was that thing called before the internet? We used to have to, we had to, the personal ads. Right, yeah. at the back of this newspaper. The personal ads, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So the more that we can flush ourselves from this indoctrination, the more clarity we have about life. But there, to be, but as you scrub that away, you're also having to air out the ego. Why do we keep suffering things that are readily dispatchable in our life? Why don't people get along? Why are people so angry? Because they've been indoctrinated. And that takes you out of nature. If, you, if it's raining, you know, human beings are the only creature on earth that could go in a lightning storm and decide to play golf other than to seek shelter. Most animals on earth, when there's a storm or bad things on it, they seek shelter. Let's hunker down till things aren't so bad. Only humans go into bad things and make it worse. It's like I was in Hawaii some years ago. There was a number of people that uh, were burned up in a, in a volcano. I said, wow, that's horrible. What was it like, Pompeo or something like that? This horrible eruption, was it Mount St. Helen? They said, no, the volcano's been erupting for like 20 years. And there's just a slow lava moving at like a half a mile an hour and forming new islands. And they have signs that said, don't get too close to the lava. It's, it's 5,000 degrees of molten rock. That's what it said. It's 5,000 degree molten rock, not mud. And you can feel it. It's like, it's hot. This is mud or something. It's so hot. And that's when you're far away. But for some reason, people want to walk up to it and just test it. Get a selfie. Yeah, get a selfie and put your toe in it. <laughs> it's 5,000 degree rock. You know how hot it has to be to melt rock? So what's wrong with you? What's, what, you've been indoctrinated and told that you were Superman or that when you die, there's going to be a pie in the sky and a sweet by and by and some bearded man is going to welcome you into open arms. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. It's over. You'll be forgotten in about a month. So preserve your life as long as you can. Read the signs. Read the warnings. Adhere to the warnings. What are the warnings? Is it all this has been done before? We say all the time, 8 billion people, 10 different stories. Pull down the book. How does this turn out? People ask me all the time, are you like a voodoo priest or something? Because you seem to know things about health. About... No, I just look at trends. I don't need to go to a tarot card reader, although we know some good ones. I don't need, what does Diane do, the astrology thing? I don't need to look, look, see my stars align. I can see if you're drinking a six-pack of Coke every day that you'll be here getting diabetes treatment in a month. This is Z, how did you know that? How did you know that? You are so talented. Okay? It's pretty obvious. You know if you don't get your butt in the gym, Stop eating 
um, this this what was this new thing the salmonella chickens or something like that they just got out it's got a salmonella chicken you're not going to be well if you keep doing that if you're doing that you keep doing that you got about three or four months manzi you should have a tv show how did you predict that right people say that you hear it all the time right here right caitlin they all the time people think i'm z the magic negro <laughs> and it's not magical. It's like it's it's obvious to me. Why isn't it obvious to you? Well, I'm de-indoctrinating myself so I can call a spade a spade. You follow what I'm saying, Ben? Yeah, yeah, you've always been my magic negro. So <laughs> I'm glad you're giving that gift to the that's, Dharma community. That's awesome. I will say it's funny, you you're talking about indoctrination. It reminds me of this Family Guy episode. And the Family Guy has this offensive cartoon show they, they do all these sketches and parodies and they, they've got one where there's a suicide bomber and he kills himself blows himself up in a suicide bombing and then ends up in heaven and he's like i'm here i'm ready for my 70 virgins that i've been promised and they open up the gates of heaven and it's these 70 geeky dorky guys from a star trek convention <laughs> and he's like osama you lied to me <laughs> That's what I think about when I think about indoctrination. We don't want to be that way. We don't want to be indoctrinated. We want to stay away from that. And just one final thought, Z, and then you can wrap up. It's a bit of a balance because as you're saying, we have to suppress the ego. and We have to be open to different points of view. But we also don't want to be on the other extreme. We also don't want to be seeking validation and waiting around for someone to tell us what the right thing is. It's that, that position where we own ourselves as we talk about we're confident in ourselves, we're confident in our views, but we're always looking for more information. We're, we're always looking for ways to improve. Uh, and that comes together, I think, when we have a very strong sense of self. Ben, you're absolutely right. I'm going to go a little further with this before we shut down, because I had a lot on my mind. It was, it was, it was an interesting day. My little guy busted his head at school. I had to be ru rushed to the school to pick him up from school. And it brought up all kind of really ugly emotions in me because I've gotten emergency calls that someone was dead or dying. And I never want to do that with my children. But I feel karmically in the universe with things that are going on that the people, how karma works is in mysterious and unpredictable ways. It means the law of consequence and actions. And sometimes we have to learn things. And the universe will present a lesson, as I was told by a great teacher, You'll either, you'll either learn from experience or you'll experience a learning. And I watch people, and we, we don't have gratitude. We typically will be robbed of things that we hold in great value but we weren't grateful for. Our children are one of the greatest things we could ever have to be, have kids look up to you. So that could be a mother, a father, an uncle, an aunt, any of those people. You know, um, The kids love you, and if you look back on iconic older people in your life. They shaped your whole life. And so Sleuth is an uncle to my kids, and um, I have a bunch of nephews and nieces that are, some of them are related and some of them are not. I don't distinguish them because there's so much love um, amongst our family and our friends. And um, I, I, I live in gratitude. And I found that when you don't live in gratitude, you will experience the deprivation or the depriving of that thing you should have been grateful for, and it will cause you great pain 
and force you to experience a learning. And so whenever I see people that are bitter, unhappy, complaining, never at peace, never still, you, you see there's a lack of gratitude, right? And, and we've been indoctrinated to feel entitled, so we don't oftentimes turn back to gratitude. But I want to close tonight, and we may pick up on this again if Caitlin allows us to talk about the root and the fruit. And, and, and I mentioned that to Caitlin. She told me it was stupid. But what I mean by the root and the fruit is what is the seed that you plant? And that would determine the fruit that you harvest. So whenever you look at problems societally, health-wise, in all vectors of health, what was the seed that was planted that produced the fruit that it's bore? So nothing is accidental. If you look at all these gun cases, all these shootings, a seed of a violent society was planted long time ago. America's always had what's called gunboat diplomacy, where at the barrel of a gun, they negotiate with people. And we have lionized that. We've made that a heroic thing to do. You didn't win over people with kindness, with warmth, with gratitude, with gift. You had a bigger gun than they did. That's how you did it. Then that trickles back down to us as a society. There's an old saying that God made all men equal and Winchester made sure of that. So that was a common uh, brand logo for the Winchester rifle. God made all men equal, Winchester made sure of that. So you can apply that to any weapon. God made all men equal, AR-15, M-16, made you better. Whoever has the bigger gun has the final word. That mentality itself is a failed narrative and a mal-narrative. I had an experience when I was in Europe, and um, I've shared this before. I was at a building uh, in Paris, staying with some friends, and uh, some years ago, a few years ago, and I walk out of the, we're walking out to go to the farmer's market. So if you've ever been to France, Paris has farmer's markets all over, certain days, certain time of day, and each one carries certain things. So Europeans, French in general, whatever, as far as I know, they really make a big deal out of cooking and dinner time together. They have a lot of siestas and, and they chill. They don't work hard. Nobody in the world works hard like Americans, except maybe the Chinese or the Japanese. But the Americans and Europeans, they just, most people, you go to any, people just aren't killing themselves at work. They're more interested in getting home to their families. They work hard, but that's not, they don't define them. So these people are looking for the right olive oil, the right bread somebody made, the right cheeses. So you have to walk around and go to different farmers markets. You jump on this train, get off at this exit, da, 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 da. you go to the, you know, Chef Boyardee and, you know, whatever it is, right? You, you got to go to different places. So we were going out of the building and the superintendent and someone else of the building were arguing. And we leave the building, they're just arguing, they're in a heated argument. Then we leave and we bring back the groceries from one farmer's market, have to go back to another farmer's market. The French enjoy this kind of stuff. It's annoying as hell to me. I just want to get everything in one place, be done. If they don't have it, I'll figure it out. But that's not them. 
So we get back. The guys, they're still arguing. Now it's been two hours. Now they're in each other's face, and I kind of picked up a little French, and one guy was saying, well, just because I'm 175 centimeters tall and you're 180 meters, do you think you just talk to me any kind of way? So this had something to do with height or something. I, it, that's what I gathered. I'm sure there was something lost in the interpretation. So I'm saying, wow, these guys are going to, I say, I guess when I come back, the police should be there because somebody would have shot, somebody can get shot. So I get back, they're sitting down having lunch together. I said, that was weird. Why didn't they kill each other? And my host said, what, kill each other? This isn't America. I said, in America, you get an argument, somebody's going to be dead. Right? No, see, you in my face, I do that. I think I shot somebody today who was in my face. They just asked me if I had the time. I just shot them, you know? So that's, that's the seed, the root that was planted in America is a root of violence. That if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to inflict harm and violence on you. And so you can't escape that. So in order to starve that fruit or, or, or get rid of that fruit, you have to get rid of the root of it, changing the way people interact and dialogue with one another. Because whatever, wherever you're at, there was a seed planted. Somewhere there was a seed planted that grew that up. You follow me, Vin? Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Vin, before we shut it down? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's interesting because we've become so blind. I mean, we look at what's right in front of us and no one asks about what the conditions are. The first thing you do, in fact, I had this conversation with a friend of mine and we were applying this to this whole Russia-Ukraine debate, but he was like, look, if something happens, if there's a fight that goes down, say your kids are fighting, or you get a call from your child's school and they say your kid was in a fight, what's the first question you ask? First question you ask is, what happened? What happened? How did this happen? How did this come about? Who started it? What was it about? You're not like, oh my God, I'm going to go and kill the other kid. This is so horrible. I'm going to smack them down, make sure this never happens again. You want the history. You want the context. You want to know if there was a pattern. You want to know if this was a one-time thing. You want to know if there were other factors that led up to this. And it's kind of a similar to Buddhism in some ways that there's no single cause and effect. This is because that is. Where we are now is a product of where we've come from. And without recognizing that, it becomes very hard to figure out how to move forward. That's when you get into this gunboat diplomacy that you're talking about, that I'm just going to impose my will on the world. And that is the almost the, the flip side of, of this mentality. If we're not interested in causes, we're also not interested in effects. Uh, so if we don't care to know the causes of how something happened, we're also not concerned about the effects of our solution. We're just concerned about what's immediately in front of us. Uh, and that becomes very dangerous. And, and that leads, I think, to this escalation that leads to a certain blindness. If we want to act in our own self-interest and be able to solve problems, it prevents us from solving those problems because we don't know how these things come about. So those are just some of my thoughts, and we can take this. I mean, we can run with this topic in a lot of different ways the next time we talk. It's an interesting topic, but that's what comes to my mind. Right, and I just wanted to put that out there because as we talk about indoctrination and people always, how did we get here? I just want the next conversation to be like, let's look at the root. Look at the seed we planted that grew this particular bitter harvest. And then we can make, we can fix things. If not in the world, we can't fix the world. You can fix yourself. Uh, avoid false narratives, mal narratives, mal thought, and and we can get there. 
Also, um, as we're building our platform, I want to really show appreciation for everybody that's sharing our podcast. We're gaining a lot of traction as we grow the Dharma Media Project. Again, for all of you who have listened and chimed in, our project here is so you can think for yourself, not to follow, not to be an influencer, whatever the hell that means. But I see a problem in my world. And I found that over the the years I've been working in the health and wellness field, that just about every malady or disease can be remedied. The only thing that can't be remedied is the free will and thinking of human beings. And if we could change the way we think using that free will, we can mitigate much of our suffering. As the Buddha said, most of human suffering is self-inflicted. And when you look around and you're afraid of reality, when you're afraid of what's in front of you right now, that is going to promote disease. That is going to promote physical, emotional, social, and fiscal disease. And you can see some communities are ravaged and devastated because of the false narratives. Now, we have so many things coming up. Uh, Vin, you have Lion with a Mic, which is our spoken word artist uh, division. He's, you, you, you developed as a great artist. Please follow along with Vin at Lion with a Mic. Follow what he's doing. Um, Sleuth is here. Sleuth has an amazing book. Um, that 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 he he's put out, and he'll tell you a little bit about that. You go on and buy Sleuth's book. Uh, there's some great stories in there from the perspective of a point in history. And here's an interesting thing about history: um, we were around in very in historical moments in the music business that have completely been twisted and turned around by people who weren't even born when that happened. So what, what it makes me think about is all of history you read is suspect. So when people say it was like this in history, it wasn't like that. When people are like strict, let's say they read the letter of the Constitution in the literal sense, whether they call them uh, constitutionalists, it wasn't like that. And I say that because we've had an epiphanies because things that we actually experience, right, Sleuth, in history have been rewritten so extremely out of sync of whatever even, we're still alive. And no one came and asked us what happened. And I still have the, I still have the backstage passes from that day. Right. Right. And, and, and so when you look at history as a whole, be very careful. Like I, I have friends who are proud of their Viking heritage, right? They've heard all these stories about the Vikings. When have you met a Viking? I mean, if they were so great, um, what happened to them? Right? So whenever you do, oh, it was great, this is my, my ancestors, it wasn't true. Most of us come from mediocre people. Yeah, average to mediocre. Yeah. Every now and then there was an extraordinary person, but not everybody's extraordinary. Everybody wasn't a king or queen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Nor a duke or earl. Some, more, more than likely, they were janitors or waiters, carpenters or something. So let's think about that, too. But anyway, we'll talk more about the root and the fruit in our next episode. Um, so tell us about your book real quick. Oh, the book is called uh, Hip Hop Tales 2.0. It's a memoir about uh, my experience in the film and hip hop music business. It's on Amazon. 
sleuthpro.com, hiphoptales2.0 or uh, sleuthpro.com. It's a great memoir about our journey out of the Bay Area, putting out great music, traveling the world, and having a good time, and very honest narrative, personal. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So Sleuth and I go way back. Um, he's still a weirdo. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, Vin. I'll see you soon, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, okay? Vin Diesel. All right. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Peace. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.